Welcome to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast, helping you discover everything Bradford and District has to offer. Whether you're after incredible history, entertainment, the great outdoors, shopping opportunities, luxury dining or fantastic museums, this part of West Yorkshire has something for you. I'm John Foster and today we're discovering Salt Air. In this episode, we'll find out about Sir Titus Salt, who built this Victorian village. Visit the steepest flight of canal locks in the UK and check out some remarkable art from one of Bradford's most famous sons. Salt Air is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's just four miles north of the city of Bradford, which in its Victorian heyday was utilising the Leeds-Liverpool Canal to move textiles from Salt's Mill in Salt Air all around the country. Now, as you can hear the water in the background, we begin today at the five rise locks on the Leeds-Liverpool Canal. Of course, the steepest flights of locks in the UK. We're joined by Danny Jackson. He's the countryside and rights-of-way manager in this area. And Danny, you must have the most amazing job. Here we are at the top of the five rise locks. You've got the view of Bingley there in front of you. The sun is glinting off the water. And here it is in Bradford. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm very privileged. I can't profess to spending 100% of my time out in this wonderful countryside, but uh, a fair proportion is out here looking after the uh, amazing countryside that we've got in the Bradford district. So, yeah, Saltaire and uh, the Five Rise Locks and that section of the canal is one part of the district that's uh, really popular and well worth visiting. Now, here is one of the most iconic spots in the whole of Yorkshire. There's a lot of celebrity barging programmes on the TV at the moment. Uh, but if you'd see any shots of Yorkshire, at some point you will either see this via drone or somebody in a barge. It really is a duel. It is, yeah. yeah. It's particularly photogenic. If you stand at the sort of Bingley end of the locks, and uh, that's the classic view looking back up the five rise. There's also the three rise a bit further down. So uh, eight locks to get through. It's, uh, it's a fairly impressive structure, and it's, uh, as I say, it's a good uh, attraction for locals and visitors alike, yeah. It's a good workout as well. It's a great workout. It's not a gradual slope, is it, coming up the side of there? <laughs> so exactly your job, what does it entail for people? So I work for Bradford Council and we, we own and manage quite a lot of um, what you'd call countryside sites throughout the district. So part of the job is to look after those and maintain them. The biggest one and the, probably the most well-known one is Ilkley Moor. And that's one end of the spectrum. And then we go right down to a small nature pond in South Bradford um, and everything in between. So we've got a kind of mixture of moorland sites, grassland, habitat, that kind of thing, wetlands that we look after and encourage people to come and enjoy. Uh, the other part of it is we look after the public rights of way network, so we've got about a thousand kilometres of public footpath and bridleway across the district. And we also try and keep an eye on the wildlife through the district to, to protect that from negative impacts and promote it. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, it's a good, varied job. Tell us a bit more about uh, Five Rise Locks, because yes, OK, it is an amazing site. The history of it and the feat of engineering that's gone into making this as well. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It's, uh, it's actually managed by the Canals and Rivers Trust, that are formerly known as British Waterways. Uh, and it's a structure, basically, to get canal barges up a hill. And nowadays it's used mainly... I mean, obviously, it was built for commercial purposes in the past, for transporting, um, you know, goods and, and whatever, uh, between Leeds and Liverpool. But nowadays it's almost entirely, I'd say, 100% is, um, you know, visitor tourism sort of use, um, canal barging. I was asking one of my team who actually lives on a canal barge uh, how long it takes to actually get through all the eight locks here and he said it's about two to two and a half hours but you need the lock keeper, you can't do it by yourself so uh, 
yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a feat to get up and down them. So basically, to go down. So we're at the top. To go down, you come into the part of the lock, close the gates behind you, and then the water drops down, yeah. and then so on and so on as so you go down each like lock. A step process really. You, your barge is in the top lock, full of water. You let the water through the gate. It lowers down with your barge, and then you're on the next level, and you do the same five times, and then few hundred metres down towards Bingley, you're at three rise and you do the same again three more times and then you're back down in the uh, centre of Bingley. It must be tremendous entertainment as well for people watching. I mean, yeah, who I... needs the television when oh, you've got you this? Come and watch barges going through here all day, every day. It does attract quite a crowd. There's, there was a really interesting um, thing that the Canals and Rivers just did a couple of years ago where they drained the, the canals in order to um, maintain it. And every now and again they have to do that. And, it, and, the, and they had open days where people could actually climb down into the into the canal base here at the locks and have a look round and see what, what it was like down standing in the bottom. And there were hundreds of people queuing up to do it. Once in a lifetime. Each to, each to his own, I say. Well, there you go. Because <laughs> in a couple of years' time, it's going to be celebrating a landmark anniversary, isn't it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Is it 200 years? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that'll uh, no doubt they'll be having lots of events and uh, things for people to come and enjoy. So, yeah, look forward to that. And the TV programmes that have been on, as we said, there's been a whole raft of barging programmes and featuring the Leeds Liverpool Canal and in particular uh, the Five Rise Locks as well. That's obviously great for tourism. It puts, it puts the district on the map. It does, yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a burgeoning film industry in Bradford, actually. Um, a lot of film crews are using the area for filming purposes. Centre of Bradford has got places like Little Germany and the Saltair Village is very atmospheric. But yeah, it's, um, it's really well used because of the landscape and the uh, heritage that we have here. And for you, in your job that takes you all over the district, and as you said, you're office-based, but then you get the chance to get out into the great outdoors. Yeah. If there was one particular place that you would pick where you just know where there's a marvellous view and you think, this is it, this is why I do this job. The one I can think of immediately that speaks to mind is, um, it's not particularly well known, but above Shipley, looking across the Air Valley, there's a place called Northcliffe. And uh, you can pull into the side of the road there and you can stand on the edge of the, the southern edge of Airedale and look across the whole of the Air Valley. So you can see Saltaire, you can see west up towards Bingley and the canal in the bottom. And then across the whole of Shipley Glen and Beldon Moor and in the background on the horizon is the... Um, the top of Ilkley Moor going over to Wharfdale. So it gives you a real overview of the sort of northern part of the Bradford district, which is the most rural and the, uh, some of the finest landscape. OK, thanks, Danny. We're uh, approaching uh, Salt Air itself on the canal. I can see the impressive salts mill uh, in the background as well. We'll catch up with you later because you're going to be our guide on other parts of the podcast as well. So thanks for the moment. OK, no problem. See you in a bit. Now, the Leeds-Liverpool Canal covers 127 miles crossing the Pennines with 91 locks like these along the length. Now, the section here was opened back in 1773 and the whole canal took 50 years to complete. And Bradford was instrumental in the building of the canal with the initial public meeting to canvas support being held in the Sun Inn in July 1766. Now, Bradford merchants wanted to increase the supply of limestone to make lime for mortar and agriculture using coal from Bradford's collieries and to transport textiles to the port of Liverpool. Now, you can have a go at the five rise and three rise locks by hiring a narrow boat. Now, there is help provided with a full-time lock keeper, you'll be pleased to know. Right, we're almost at Salt Air on the canal. I can see Salt's Mill, it's right in front of me. So let's go and have a wander.
So here we are at Saltaire, and it's a Victorian model village, which means it was purpose-built. Sir Titus Salt built his mill here, Salt's Mill, and then beautifully laid out the village for all of his workers uh, to live around it. Now, Maggie Smith is with me. She's a trustee of the Saltaire World Heritage Education Association. Now, Maggie, this is an idyllic place. It almost feels like we've travelled back in time to this lovely little community, and, and that's exactly what it is. It is, and Titus Salt, who founded this establishment, was an exceptional man. Um, the visitor can see streets laid out in exactly the way that he planned them, the public buildings, all the grandeur of the mill, which is enormous. It's very interesting to come along and think about the man himself, why he did it, why he was providing schools, health, um, welfare, social care for elderly people, um, a hospital, um, and much more than that, outdoor leisure in the park and indoor leisure in Victoria Hall. Why did he do it? Was he just that sort of chap? It's difficult. People have different theories. His contemporaries, such as Samuel Lister and many others, bought landed estates when they'd made their great wealth in Bradford. Um, Salt was very, very religious, but also quite a liberal, um, very radical in his politics. He hated what he saw in Bradford at the the workers suffered, the poverty, the degradation, sometimes the moral collapse, um, particularly for the children, it was heart-rending. Um, so I think he decided that one way that was a better face of the Industrial Revolution would be to provide in a rural setting, because at the time he built the mill in Saltaire and his subsequent village, which was always planned together, um, this was a rural space, it still has some rural surroundings, and very different houses. They all had their own lavatory. Gas was supplied from the mill. The roads were metalled. The sewerage was good. A complete contrast to Bradford. And while some people say, oh, they were tied cottages, it's not actually the case. There was no compulsion to either be religious or to follow Salt's religion or to necessarily work in his mill. Saltaire has been designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site back in 2001. We've heard that a couple of times on this podcast. What exactly does that mean? It means that the site itself is a really significant international piece of heritage. There are other settlements. Um, Robert Owen was before Salt at New Lanark. But this probably is the only one that's almost intact, um, where the architecture remains the same, where people still live, work, um, go out and have leisure here. Um, so the criteria for Salt Air were not just that it was a, an almost perfect example um, of a model industrial settlement, but also its architecture, its beautiful Italian architecture, its building, um, the, the welfare that Salt integrated into the village and all the shops and amenities that were here uh, for people's education as well as their leisure um, were really um, a remarkable example of Victorian paternalistic philanthropy. I think even more so today after the World Heritage nomination because Jonathan Silver bought the mill in 1987 and created this beautiful visual place of galleries and restaurants high-end, cookware, the best bookshop in the world. 
There's plenty to see and do and also eat and drink, as you said. It's become a real hub for creative designers uh, and business people as well. But even just wandering the streets and the individual different sort of like street names that we have in the old style font that have been kept here and we have Titus Street as well. You can just walk the streets and enjoy being here in this part of West Yorkshire. You can, and I'm quite sad in a way that some people still struggle to think, well, which bit is Salt Air and which is the World Heritage Site? But there's lots of information. Bratford Council produce a very good visitors leaflet. Um, if you go on our website, www.saltaircollection.org, it will give you a history for each building, for lots of the residents, for lots of the workers, as well as the important people who manage the mill. So it's very easy through internet resources now to actually find out and dig deeper um, because there isn't a museum here and there isn't a visitor centre. So we have to help people digitally as best we can. It seems like an oasis of calm. It's not always an oasis of calm. Um, when we have the massive Salt Air Festival in September and we have the beautiful Arts Trail in May and many other events in Roberts Park, World Heritage Day, Heritage Open Days, visitors flock in their thousands. Um, and that's wonderful because that happened in Salt's time. There were many celebrations where the mill um, encouraged workers to have wit walks and walk up Shipley Glen and come back down and have huge feasts um, in this building here. Here in Victoria Hall, the Saltaire Conversation, started by Titus Salt Jr., would attract thousands of visitors um, and show all the latest technology, the best art and the best science. So in a way, Saltaire's continuing to do exactly what Salt intended it to do. I wonder what old Titus Salt would think of the place now. I think he'd be very pleased. People say, oh, he didn't want a pub. Well, he didn't want a pub in his own village because there were plenty nearby, but he wasn't anti-drink. That's a complete myth. But he had seen the desperation of people who, if you like, dealt with their suffering through misuse of alcohol and the effect on the children. So he didn't want one in his own village. But he was really quite liberal so I think he'd be quite pleased to see um, a bar called Don't Tell Titus I think that would amuse him no end he'd certainly be delighted at the continued multiple use of all his buildings and in particular the continuation of education which is such a strong theme in Saltaire Thanks, Maggie. Well, after that walk and all of that wonderful history, I'm definitely in need of a drink. Maybe a locally brewed pint. I think I know just the place. Now that has hit the spot. This is the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast. I'm John Foster and we're just down the road now from the mill. We're at the Salt Air Brewery. I'm in this amazing, amazing building, which looks like an old goods um, yard for a, for a train company, but that's not too far off the truth. In front of me, I can see great big stainless steel vats all marked A, B, C and D. There's a mini bar there in the corner. There's quite a bit of noise going down and I can see barrels being prepared. We're at Saltair Brewery with Nick uh, Halliwell. Um, Nick, what exactly do you brew here? So we brew beer. 
and that's the primary reason for our business. We brew and we package beer for ourselves and for other people. We started in 2005. We've been going for 15 years and we've gone from a, a very small business to uh, an entity that this year will produce about 5 million pints of beer. We'll employ 40 people from the local area to do that and that beer is going to go across the UK and increasingly around the world. We'll be present in more than 20 countries this year. You say beer, but there are various different kinds of beer. Yes, uh, that's right. Our, our most popular brew, the one that would be best known across Yorkshire, certainly, is Saltair Blonde. And how many do you actually brew? Our core range um, is about 10 to 12 beers, but across the period of a year, we'll probably brew about 30 beers. And these vats, how much do these hold? So each of these uh, vats will hold what we call 50 brewer's barrels. The British brewing industry is still, still very stuck in imperial measurements, so it's 50 brewer's barrels, but in, in today's money, that's 8,000 litres. So each one of these vats here will weigh about 10 tonnes. Goodness me. And uh, how long is it brewed for? The brewing process doesn't take very long, actually. That takes a matter of hours. You can do that in six to eight hours. But the longest part of the process is fermentation, and that can take a week, sometimes even two for certain beers. So you can brew over and over again. You've just got to have somewhere to keep it for a long time, and that's why breweries have so many stainless steel tanks all over the place. What was the, what was the reason for starting the business in the first place? You said you, you're coming up to being 15 years of age. So our founder, a guy called Tony Gartland, had, uh, had made a success of his career in, in law and property, and he wanted to bring a product to market. And this was the early 2000s, before the craft beer revolution. And he travelled to America, and he was blown away by what was happening there. And he cottoned on that that thing that's happening there is going to happen here in the UK and across the world. So he came back to Saltair, where he brought up his family, and he learned how to brew beer, and he brought uh, what was then a really exciting and new product to market, which was craft beer. I mean, since then, we've seen 2,000 new breweries and the explosion of this revolution, and we've ridden the wave of that for 15 years. And you also do something called Ride and Pint Socials as well. This is very important. Tell us more about that. We have a tap room on site, which is a hub for the local community. I mean, it's a warm welcome for people using the canal as uh, cycling or walking or... Um, or on the canal boats. It's also a local for the, for the local residents, um, but we also use it as a hub for the community. So we've teamed up with Ian from um, MTB Cycle Yorkshire, and he comes here most Wednesdays and will take a group out on a guided ride around the local area, up to 30 people at a time, and then they come back into the brewery and we give them some uh, discounted products. So they actually do the ride first, then have the pint. Absolutely. I think it's probably the safest way to do that. And to be here in the, in the magnificent surroundings that you are and, you know, Salthead just down the road as well, it's a fantastic, vibrant part of Bradford, this. I think so. From a personal perspective, I've always loved Salthead. And when I have friends and family visiting from afar, this is where I bring them to Salthead. But from a business perspective, as... Uh, working for Saltair Brewery and observing this, the vibrancy that Saltair has, I, I feel it really punches above its weight for a small village. And if we look at the number of, of outlets and venues that we have in Saltair, serving food, serving drink, I think it's really exciting. I mean, off the top of my head, Boathouse, Don't Tell Titus, uh, the Salt's Diner and the Café into the Opera, the Terrace and LaRue. There's uh, the Salt Beer Factory as uh, set up recently. There's the Cap and Collar. As you say, so much happening in this village. And where's the most 
extreme place that you know that your beer has been been sold at you know you say you, you you're going around the world now have people been in touch with you and said i've just bought a bottle of your beer in I would say that right now the most exciting place that our, our beer is finding its way to is the Far East. So we have, uh, we're getting regular feedback from Japan and from Hong Kong and from Singapore that people are finding our beer and enjoying it, and that's, that gives us great pleasure. must blow you away, especially with it being such a community-focused business as well, that it's reaching out across everywhere. Yeah, and fr- from where we started, as it was a, a family business and still is a family business and, and one that wanted to produce great beer for the local area, and that's how we started, for that to for that message of Saltaire now to be reaching four corners of the world is just fantastic. Thanks, Nick. It's been great to come and see you here at uh, Saltaire Brewery. We're now going to head to Salt's Mill to check out the shopping and also the art here in Saltaire. So we've just moved to Rad Studio in Saltaire and it can only be described as an Aladdin's cave of wonderment in here, and the uh, owner is uh, Gina Pittendre. Gina, it is, I mean, we've got clothes here, we've got all sorts of different things, books, diaries, little bits and pieces to put on the mantelpiece, jewellery, the lot. Tell us a little bit about the ethos of here. It's kind of an eclectic mix of basically anything that I like. Um, I, <laughs> I've always liked gift shops. I've always liked shopping, much to my husband's dismay. Um, and my theory is that a gift shop in a little village doesn't have to be a normal kind of chintzy gifting things. So I take design-led products. I mix them up in a lifestyle setting and I provide gifts and kind of this, that and everything really. But in the beautiful setting of Saltaire, I mean, it really does just slot in nicely to everything else that's on offer. It does, because Saltaire's got a great ethos of um, design, um, art, architecture, all mixed together. And it has become a bit of a mixing pot for creatives. So a lot of creatives live in the village. A lot of the creatives are my customers. You get people come to see Hockney in Salt's Mill. And it just it does fit really well within the village. There are a lot of creative businesses run from people's houses. There's a lot of independent designers, a few of whom I stock. My um, shop neighbour next door stocks a few more. So we do try and really pull in good Yorkshire design. Um, For myself, I pull it in alongside more international brands. But it's keeping that kind of local Yorkshire design as part of my business as well. And you've seen the growth of it over the four years that you've been here? Yeah, I've seen a massive growth in it. Um, there's a lot more people starting up their own businesses and there's a lot more support for people. Um, and there is a big movement at the minute for shopping independent and people are buying into that, which means probably about 10 years ago, they wouldn't have cared so much about where something was from and who made it. Whereas now people want to know where they're from. They want to know it's ethically sourced and they want to know the story behind it. And I suppose people who come in from outside of the area look around um, Salt's Mill and Salt's Air and just realise the history of it and how it's been kept and how the mill itself has been repurposed. And that's happening a lot across West Yorkshire. And it means that actually, instead of discarding the heritage, we're actually embracing it a lot more now. It is. And it gives us something a little bit more different to offer to the wider world um, because we have got this heritage. We have got these amazing buildings that people want to come and see. It is a holiday destination for a lot of people. And it always amazes me going out of Saltaire, how many people have actually heard of it, which to me is astounding. They know the mill, they know the history. It's, it's, it's a great place. And it's only going to get bigger and better, but not too big. No, no, not too big. Um, it, it is a little village. And I often say that I think one of the beauties with Saltaire in particular is that 
there's only so many houses and it's only a certain size and it's always moving and it's always changing. So it's always going to have this nice local feel to it. Um, there are more businesses coming and I think that's a great thing because the more local businesses we get the better the economy becomes and the more things there are to do but there's also a lot of groups there's lots of meetups there's um, groups that organize events and things and everyone kind of pulls in together and cross promotes so it's a proper community it is a proper community and I, I think it's quite a rarity but I think Bradford and particularly up north has kind of got that let's all get together mentality and it really is kind of thriving at the moment Thanks, Gina. And as you mentioned, David Hockney is a famous son of Bradford and there's some work of his on display here at Salts Mill. But let's head back into the outskirts of Bradford where there is a whole gallery which is dedicated to the great man. So here we are in Lister Park and I'm looking at one of the most incredible buildings that Bradford has to offer. It's Cartwright Hall and with me is Jill Idale, the art curator here. Uh, Jill, tell us a little bit more about this hall and the park that surrounds it. Yeah, sure. It's a pretty impressive building, you're right. Uh, it's quite fancy. We call it Bradford Baroque. Um, it's actually the same architects as Kelvin Grove in Glasgow. Um, lots of people think that it was a house, um, but it never it never was a house. Uh, it didn't belong to the Cartwright family. It didn't belong to uh, Lister. Um, it was purpose-built as it was intended to be a museum for the people of Bradford in uh, 1904. Uh, and so it sits in this really amazing park um, that you referred to um, with the beautiful Mughal Gardens, uh, Botanical Gardens, um, there's a lake, uh, a children's playground, um, we've got lots for families to do. It's about five minutes outside of the, the city centre and as you say the gardens are absolutely fantastic but there's like the botanical garden which looks like something out of, out of Rome or somewhere like that with all of the different ponds and the lakes and everything like that. On a hot day, as we found out when we brought the kids here a little while ago, is absolutely amazing. But this building in particular and obviously the connection with, with Hockney, I mean that's all you have to say, you don't have to say David Hockney, you just say Hockney and everybody knows who you're on about. I guess. So, yeah, we have an actual David Hockney gallery here, which is a general introduction to David's life and to his work, uh, really. So it focuses on his training in Bradford. So he learnt how to draw here. Um, he visited Cartwright Hall like you've done with your children. He came with his parents. And we have some of the drawings that he did from when he was actually drawing in the museum. Lots of sketches of his family and his friends at the time uh, we've got paintings that show you what he painted like before he went to Los Angeles and we've got examples of his photographs from his own personal photo album so we were really really lucky to get those they've never been displayed in public before anywhere so they came directly from the artist and we've got a fantastic selection of all the different types of work you know that he's done one of the stars is this massive swimming pool picture that we have that people think is painted but actually was made out of paper pulp so he actually made the paper for that and we've got some more up to date we've got the ipad drawings that he did when he was in bridlington so yeah there's a real range of stuff that you can learn about and a partial recreation of his studio as well so you can see exactly what it's like and feel it get the whole experience his work 
can't be underestimated is his influence, not only um, in Yorkshire, but around the world. It can't be underestimated, can it? Yeah, it is an incredible achievement, I would say. Um, as you say, he's regularly named as one of the most influential uh, artists. Part of the reason why that is, I asked him once why he thought he was so popular. And he's very modest, uh, so he doesn't talk about being popular. But he says he thinks people like his work because they can identify with the things that he paints and the things that he draws. And I think that is partially true it's a subject matter he has always since his very first days here in Bradford has drawn what he can see trees as we know you know he's been painting and making trees interesting for 70 years uh, which is an incredible achievement in itself we have a case in point we've got an iPad drawing inside Cartwright Hall of his foot um, which is more interesting than you might think <laughs> um, and, but I also think it's it's because he appeals to so many different sorts of people so like fashion designers for example uh, and his colour I think people talk a lot about the colours in his his work as well not everything he does is bright he's done such a massive range of different works over his career he's never just stuck to one thing so that pretty much there is a technique for absolutely everybody if you don't like his painting you could like his printmaking you know if you don't like those there's his fax machine works you know if you don't like those there's photography etc you know he works very hard i think that's partly why he's so influential and has such a body of work is because he works really hard at it and he's a proud Bradfordian as well. It is incredible, really. He still has a really strong Yorkshire accent. He hasn't lost that at all. I mean, I can't speak on his behalf. Obviously, you'd have to ask him whether he's proud to be a Yorkshireman. You know, there's definitely something about being brought up in the north. I found him to be very genuine and very... He is very down to earth and he's very gracious with his time. You know, he still wears the same holy cardigan. Um, <laughs> you know, when he's painting in the studio, you know, it's not got any airs and graces about him, that's for sure. Not only uh, the work of Hockney been on uh, exhibition here at Cartwright Hall but also you've got other artists too let's not forget them. No we've got I mean there's two floors of art really so there's a really wide variety of stuff that you can see um, pretty much we've got things from Islamic calligraphy to we have works by living artists like Yinka Shonobar or Aparna Kaur, Salima Hashmi. We also have American printmakers, so some of the big pop artist names like Andy Warhol and Roy Lichtenstein. If you like your prints, then we've got plenty of those. And we've also got some really good Hockney prints in the Hockney Gallery too. Uh, and then we've got lots of the painting greats as well. You know, so Larry, who everybody knows, and Stanley Spencer, Joshua Reynolds. So, yeah, there's something for everybody. So get yourself down. Jill, it's been great to meet you. Something here for everyone indeed. And that's pretty much the story of Saltair. It's definitely worth a visit. Thanks for listening to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast. In the next episode, we'll be exploring the spa town of Ilkley. To get more information on this remarkable part of West Yorkshire, head to visitbradford.com. Until next time from the magnificent Cartwright Hall, goodbye.